Before taking any action on anything being discussed, consult your medical doctor. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefald. Heart Health is a local call-in health show designed to educate and inform you of the most up-to-date information for not only maintaining a healthy heart, but a healthy body. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. And of course, we do want telephone calls, 919-860-9783. This is the radio program where you can get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation. Heart Health Radio. Dr. Weefald, hello. Good afternoon. This is a very, very important day. We're going to talk about some important things, some fun things, some educational And we've got some fake news coming up in just a few minutes. But uh, we've got to go to the serious news of the day, the coronavirus. Now, there are 1,320 people in mainland China. These are confirmed cases of this new virus. Uh, in uh, Asia, we've got Taiwan, Japan, Macau, South Korea, a couple each. Two in the United States. Just and two. Maybe a third because a person was taken from an airplane having been having visited some of the epidemic centers right. in China. And this is Dr. Zach Moore uh, from uh, the Department of Public Health, uh, North Carolina, talking about how they removed this person from the plane. This person was wearing a mask the entire time after disembarking from the plane and was transported to for assessment at a local hospital. Um, with people wearing appropriate equipment. So if this were to be a confirmed infection, which which we certainly hope it will not, but if it were confirmed to be an infection with novel coronavirus, it would not pose any risk of infection to people who had been either in RDU or at the hospital um, when this person was taken there. This person had visited or come from originally one of these areas that are now being quarantined in China. I think it's a great idea to do this because this is a serious and potentially um, world-changing epidemic. We don't know how much this is going to spread, but you know, this is a connected world. Um, everybody got hops on a plane, and next thing you know, you're in a different country. Yeah. And you look at an airport. Okay, the yeah. the chance of transmission. Is very high. So there is definite human-to-human transmission, and it can be uh, both airborne, but mostly as the same way we transfer colds and other things. I mean, this is a cold virus. Mm-hmm. A coronavirus is, we get them all the time. But each one is different. And coronaviruses are little tiny particles of ribonucleic acid, which is what we have in our bodies, part of our genetic makeup, and proteins are little mm-hmm. tiny things. Some scientists would even say they're not even living. They're just bits of 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 proteins and RNA that happen to get into our systems and take over our cells to reproduce themselves. But anyway, so this is new. This is a new one. It hasn't been seen before. And this is probably the reason why it's so, as they use the term, virulent. And it's very scary. About 10% now, the people who've gotten this in China have died. And it is a very horrible death. You basically can't breathe. You can't um, oxygenate because your body reacts to this virus and for some reason the people who are getting very sick they fill up with fluid from inflammation. So it's very similar to the process where influenza kills people. No. Uh, and then the other thing is it can weaken your immune system and get you a bacterial pneumonia. 
And that's another way that people with influenza die. So it, it's very good that the reaction, and it's not an overreaction, but that the reaction has been so impressive in China. They are blocking off entire cities. They should. Don't come in. Don't come out. Don't go outside. Mickey Mouse is ha- unhappy. They've closed off Shanghai Disneyland. Wow. And rightfully so, because this is going to spread in large collections of people. And a, a mask is good. But the most important thing in any of these types of respiratory illnesses is hand washing. Hand washing, because you transmit from touching other people, and you can't help but touch your nose with your hand. We do it hundreds of times a day. Now, we've got a theory. The experts on this have a theory about what might have been right. the beginning of this virus. Well, you know, I've been to Wuhan. I mean, you know, I'm half Chinese, and my mother was from Shanghai. Wuhan is, people don't realize, it's actually a very important city. It's on the biggest river called the Yangtze River. Mm-hmm. It's where Chairman Mao liked to hang out in the summertime. And one of the biggest things that ever happened in China, they never thought they would do it, is they built a bridge across the Yangtze River at Wuhan, and that was the first bridge that ever crossed. It's a huge river. I've been there. Yeah. And the reason why I've been there, Emily, if you're listening, my daughter, um, we adopted her from China, and she was born in Wuhan. I've been to the train station where her mother um, left her because she couldn't take care of her anymore. And I've been to the markets, and it's the markets where they're selling for meat exotic animals so they've like, traced like this what? like what oh my gosh they've traced it to the many banded crate okay and that it's a snake yeah and it's called bungarus multinisticus i don't know it's something like that yeah but people in china in particular think that eating exotic animals is either Afro- an aphrodisiac or helps with your long-term health. You know, mm-hmm. the rhinoceros, rhinoceroses are yeah. being killed off. Why? Because the Chinese love rhinoceros horn. They think it enhances, you know, the your health. And it's, it's, a, it's a sad thing in many ways. I mean, Chinese medicine, there are some things coming out of China now that work. Okay, these ancient herbs and herbs and whatever you call them. Sure. But people want to eat these things, civets. You know what a civet is? It's like a wildcat. They love it. They love it. But this particular snake has never been in an inner city before. And so the coronaviruses that are common in all sorts of animals, well, this coronavirus lived in a snake, and these snakes weren't meant to get to uh, big cities. And people would take these snakes home, and they got the coronavirus. And so they're trying to shut these markets down. Um, and, you know, we went uh, with my daughter to just see what these markets were like. And I walked in, and these beautiful dogs and cats, and I thought, this is great. It's a pet mart, too. Uh-uh. No. Uh, you pick the dog, and they go in the back, and it comes out in this wax paper, okay? No. And there were, there were snakes. There, they also eat birds, these exotic birds. And so... You know, where's where's St. Patrick now that we need him? You know, I mean, we we can't do this. Right. And so Ebola also appears to come from interactions between wild animals and humans. And so bird flu. Yeah. Okay, think about it. Uh, Swine flu. We can get diseases from animals because 
they have the same genes that we do, the mm-hmm. same types of respiratory um, functions. And so their viruses may not have, have exposed themselves to us in the past. And next thing you know, we get them and we can't fight them because we don't have the herd immunity, which we talked about last time, where certain people have, the, have had exposure to the virus, they become immune. And then it's spread to the, to the community in general. So this is a bad thing. If, and, and Wuhan's a great city, though. And what yeah. they've been able to accomplish there is nothing short of remarkable. I mean, immediately the government comes in, shuts everything down. They built a 1,300-bed hospital in two weeks just You're for kidding. this illness. No. Wow. I mean, they built it. It's done. Okay. It's funny you mentioned numbers because – when we started talking about this, I'm looking at a, a, a an updated map of China and the region, and it mentions cases by country and region. And when we started talking, 1320 was the number, 1,320. What's it now? It's been updated to 1,438. Yeah, it's happening right and left. 10%. Is the death rate right now? Wow. Now, many of you remember SARS. Remember that S A R S? That was um, severe acute respiratory syndrome. That was a different coronavirus, but it was a coronavirus. And so, these are common cold viruses that happen to have different proteins on the outside, different pieces of RNA. Mm-hmm. They do the same thing. Uh, they get in our respiratory systems and our nose, noses, and our lungs, and they um, try to reproduce themselves in our tissues and the, uh, our immune s- reaction is to try to kill them. Right. But for some reason, these viruses, like the influenza virus, jack up our immune system and turn it into overdrive and we fill up with fluid in our lungs because of inflammation. Right. So if you've been exposed to someone who has traveled in China and it doesn't have to be Wuhan right. and you start to get cold-like symptoms, you need to go not to your doctor's office. You need to go to an emergency room and announce the fact that you have been exposed to a traveler right. who has come from one, uh, China or one of these other cities. And you're looking at the map now. It's yeah. Hong Kong, Guangzhou, Wuhan, and I think those are the big ones. Um, and they'll isolate you, and they will be able to determine within 24 hours. They can take a swab of your cheek. And in 24 hours, know whether you have this particular coronavirus. It's done by DNA testing. Right. And then what they'll do is they'll put you in an isolation room. Now, nine times out of ten, you're going to be fine. Good. Now, why is this good to talk about this? Because it's probably not going to happen to you. I mean, you're probably going to win the lottery before you get this. Yeah. But what does this remind you of? Reminds me of the flu. Right. But we can do something about the flu to prevent it. And I've had, this week, I must have had 20 people refuse to get the flu shot. Really? And I'm telling listeners out there, do not walk, run to your pharmacy or a pharmacy and get a flu shot. It's not too late in the season. Oh, no. It's not too late. We may not have even peaked. Yet. Okay. Now, the other thing is, and this is something I, I'm kicking myself for not emphasizing previously, even if you've had the flu shot and you get an illness with severe muscle aches or even, mu- you know, muscle aches, yeah. a dry cough, a runny nose, headache, 
fever, call your doctor. He or she may not want you to come to the office. Yeah, sure. Because they don't want to spread it. Yeah. But there's a medicine called Tamiflu, which will reduce your symptoms, and it works. And he or she, your doctor, may prescribe it over the phone. It's not a dangerous medicine. It's not an antibiotic. It's an antiviral. And what it does is it just makes the virus not explode in terms of reproductive capabilities and calms your immune system down. Okay. We're going to talk about this later in the program, I know, because there are so many things. But we're going to move on because varieties of spice of life. To stent or not to stent? In other words, should your should every case of angina, every case of you know uh, pain in the chest after exertion, should that cause your doctor to suggest stents or or an operation? Diarrhea medicine and the opioid crisis. Believe it or not, those two topics go together. And we'll find out more coming up. Telephone number here, 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio. You're a fraud, you're a fake, and you are lying through your teeth. You're irrelevant, malevolent, and weak. You're fake news, fake news. This is our weekly roundup of things we found on the Internet that are just fake. It's, it's It's not real. Uh, this is Heart Health Radio. Dr. Franklin Weefald at the fake news desk. There's a headline, drinking this every day can reverse the effects of aging. What did they? Well, you know, this is another example, you know, coffee talk, you know. Yeah. And it's, it's, it, it just drives me nuts because people are going to rush to the refrigerator and throw out their half and half. And this, this article... Okay, published in the Journal of Oxidative Medicine and Cellular Longevity. You know, I, I, I got rid of my prescri- <laughs> subscription. Subscription, you did? <laughs> prescription, subscription to that. You know, there's a, there's a journal called Obesity. Yeah. And you say it's a great journal. I guess. There's a journal, Obesity. Now, I was concerned about my copy because they kept throwing it through the window. <laughs> it's 300 pages yeah. every month. Absolutely. Right. Well, okay, anyway, so these people think... That you will live longer if you just throw out the half and half yeah. and put 1% milk in. Okay. Give me a break. Stop putting this stuff out because it it's really, there's no way to say this is a provable hypothesis unless you took 100,000 people yeah. and gave Everybody a cup of coffee, but yeah. you didn't tell them whether they had skim or 1%. Yeah. And you looked at them for 50 years to see who lived longer. Yeah. If you read this stuff, these little tiny details are not important. Right, you, the Queen of England is 94 years old. Yes. Okay. Does she run marathons? No. No. Does she eat, um, I don't know, what's the, what, uh, superfoods? Probably no. Not. Yeah, maybe not. She ate buff wellington. Yeah. Okay. Potatoes. Yep. All these things that I even say are bad for you. Sure. And the worst thing about it is she comes from a very weak genetic pool. Okay. I mean, everybody's married to everybody else in her family. Yeah. But what's the reason why she lived the longest? She had good genes. Okay. Okay. Now, that may not pass on. I mean, her dad didn't live very long. Of course, he's George the Sixth. He smoked right. and had lung cancer. Right. So, 
don't hang on to every single detail in these Facebook articles. Changing from, uh, uh, if you really like half and half, yeah. I mean, I use whipping cream in my coffee. Good okay? for you. Good for you. Yeah. Don't think that switching to 1% milk is going to make you live longer. It's just not. I love half and half. And if I, on days when there's a holiday, yeah. when I know somebody's using whipping cream to make whipped cream, I get up early and I get the full cream in there. I'm not killing myself with that, am no. I? Fat doesn't kill you. Well, even if it did, there's so little amount. No, it's, it's great. I'm, okay. Okay. People out there, if you love coffee, yeah. try it with a little whipping cream. <laughs> I'm telling you, leave out the sugar, okay? Yes, that's right. Because the sugar's bad for you. Don't put a potato in there. Right. Uh, Don't put white flour in there. Right. And don't put rice in it. And don't put that non-dairy creamer because most of it's Non-dairy creamers are are flour. Are they really? Well, it's equivalent. Yeah. Flour equivalent. Okay. Yeah. I mean, come on now. The go best for the, thing for you for is, the full is milk fat. Okay. I walked into my doctor once, actually took it to my regular doctor. Then he sent me to a uh, cardiologist. He took one look at my shape and he said, no, we're not going to do a stress test on you. Today is Wednesday. Friday, I want you to get stents. I mean, he was right there. He said the next day. Were you having chest discomfort? I did. Okay. Yes, I would climb Was your EKG abnormal? We didn't do an EKG. Oh, yeah. Come on. We didn't do an EKG. Come on. I don't think we did. So you basically said, I'm having discomfort walking up the stairs. Yes. I'm short of breath. Yes. And he said, meet me in the cath lab. Yep. He said, yes. I don't necessarily think that's a bad idea. Okay. Okay. Because- the likelihood that your stress test was going to be positive is very high. Oh, sure. Yeah. And the likelihood that your symptoms are going to be from your heart is extremely high. Oh, sure. So what your doctor actually did was not wrong. I he didn't was think using so. his or her, is it her or him? Him. He was using his clinical judgment and saying, we don't need to charge your insurance company this extra amount of money. Right. I know in my mind your stress test will be positive, and I know in my mind because you could barely walk up a flight of stairs. That's right. Okay. So this is really good because it tells us something. Now, let's give you a different scenario. Okay. You said, Doc, I've got diabetes, high blood pressure, I'm a little overweight, I have to work with Weefold on the weekends, yeah. the stress is unbelievable. Unbelievable. But after about a mile... I get a little tightness in my chest when I'm walking fast. Yeah. And when I stop, it goes away. Yes. And then walk another mile, I really don't feel it. Now, that's what you call stable angina or angina. Okay. You say potato, I say potato. Okay. You say angina, I say angina. Right. You can pronounce it either way. That's stable. And what does that mean? That means you probably have a blockage in one of your arteries that is enough to cut off the flow of blood at a high level of exertion. Mm-hmm. Now, what you had clinically, and I mean clinically because we didn't prove it, was a really tight blockage or maybe even a tight blockage with a blood clot on it mm-hmm. that wasn't allowing enough blood to flow at mild exercise. So you had what's called unstable angina. Unstable being that, hey, up a flight of stairs and you can't do it, 
the next step very quickly is going to be discomfort at rest right. and then a heart attack. Right. But this other scenario, this guy is stable. He hasn't developed a clinical situation where he can't do what he has to do. Now, that's called stable angina. Now, they can have positive stress tests. Absolutely. And what I used to do, because, you know, I I trained at Duke. You know what Duke's motto was? No. There are two types of people. Yeah. The ABCs and the NACs. Mm. The the ABCs have already been calfed, and the NACs needs a calf. (laughs) And what does that mean? It means that we put (laughs) tubes into people's legs and wrists into their hearts at the drop of a hat. Ah. Because what did we believe? We believed that squashing that blockage to the side yeah. would prevent a heart attack. And? And the reason why we believe that is because it made sense, right? Yeah. I mean, you get rid of the obstruction of flow, and you're going to get rid of the heart attack. Now, what happened? We found out that most heart attacks don't come from tight blockages because tight blockages have developed over time, and they have a thick outer coat, sometimes calcium. What causes a heart attack is when that chocolate cherry, I've talked about that analogy before, of a blockage that's fresh and young, mm-hmm. it's got a thin cap, that cap ruptures, the cherry liquid on the inside, which is the cholesterol, is one of the most clot-forming um, uh, substances in our body. So most heart attacks come from 20% blockages, 25% blockages. So people started saying, do we really need to put all these stents in people? Do we really need to be doing all these heart caths? And let me tell you, I was number one in that. I did more heart catheterizations just than any, about anybody in the United States of America, 18,000. Man. Well, a new study came out, New York University. If you have stable angina, you don't need a stent. Your outcome at five years in terms of death and your quality of life yeah. will be better than a patient like that who got a stent. Now, you needed a stent. I did. All right. Always talk to your doctor first. We're back in just a moment. Now, back to Heart Health with Dr. Franklin Weefold on AM680 WPTF. Telephone number here is 919-860-9783. Call right now, and you will be on the radio because you're first in line, no matter what we've planned to talk about. We'll break for you. Yeah, 919-860-9783. We'll, we'll have him come out of surgery. He'll take his gown off, just get rid of the gloves, and come right back to the waiting room Absolutely. To talk to you. Absolutely. Uh, there was something more about this coronavirus. Yeah, I wanted to do something that just fascinated me about this coronavirus thing. You know, you watch these shows where they have the secret agents, and they say, pull up the video camera in Wuhan on First Street, and they can do it, right? Right. And that's all artificial intelligence, and you think it's not true. Well, there are these companies now that build these artificial intelligence bots, B-O-T-S, robots, and they program them to scour the Internet for news, for uh, health reports, for hospital Mm -hmm. um, uh, public relations things, for Ticketing, corresponding with people who are sick, you know, the names and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, they, they ran this and they run this and out spews every now and then a warning. You know, and guess what happened first? They were the first ones to pick up the coronavirus thing in Wuhan a week before anybody else figured out there was a problem. And there were only maybe 50 cases by then. Yeah. And the artificial intelligence program scouring the internet, 
looking for certain things to link together, which didn't really seem to be linked. Yeah. And they figured out there was a problem, and they figured out it was in Wuhan, and they figured out it was a virus a week before anybody else did. They looked at canceled flights? Yeah, no. Uh, for example, a flight from one city to yeah. another, yeah. and then correlate it with that person showing up on a sick list. Wow. And, I mean, you're talking about millions of flights that this computer just tackles all this information and throws it together. So it's coming. You know, facial recognition, they're all worried about that. And I thought, well, you know, it's true. All this stuff on computers and artificial intelligence, finding out where we are, finding out what's wrong, are true. Now, that's a bad thing. Yeah. But the good thing is maybe we'll stop an epidemic in the future by these artificial intelligence programs picking up seemingly random, unconnected data right? and finding out there's something bad here going on and telling us. And based upon the Chinese government model, which is totalitarian. Right. They can actually. They're not communists. They're They're, not? They're totalitarian. Right. They've closed off all these cities. Just shut them down. You couldn't do that in the United States of America. 35 million people are trapped in their city now. And uh, there's there's two sides to the argument. Sure. It's a fatal illness. Yeah. 10% fatality rate. And that's, you know, when you talk about an infectious disease, a 10% case fatality rate Mm -hmm. is very high. SARS was 20%. People don't remember Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome. That was in the Middle East, yeah. and it went to Korea. There was a, uh, meetings transferred. 40% mortality rate. These wow. were all coronaviruses. I don't know if they came from snakes, too. Right. But right. they're bad actors. Let's talk about virus of a different uh, sort, or at least viral. A pediatrician put together a TikTok video. And it was just instructive about getting your shots. And it was fun. It was was very quick. You know, if we were a TV show, we would show it. Right. But this woman, uh, physician, Nicole Baldwin, she really wanted to get the message across that you should get a flu shot. So, you know. She's got teenage kids. You, you know, did you know what TikTok was before I didn't. this? I still don't. I found out about TikTok from people in my uh, medical office. It's it's huge. It's yeah. become probably one of the biggest platforms there is. Now, the U.S. government's worried about it because it comes from China, and they're worried that they're taking you know a, artificial intelligence data out of our houses and figure out how to attack us or something. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, people love it. And the video is this, you know, this very great woman, this physician, a pediatrician, and she made this very entertaining, funny, I think it has dancing in it and stuff like that. It does, yeah. Well, guess what? What? She got inundated on social media with not just criticism, but people saying, you know, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill your children, you know, you're trying to poison the universe through vaccines, and it's really scary. Wow. It's really scary. And I don't know why the anti-vaxxer movement has become so violent. And I'm, I'm looking I, I, at a screenshot, and at one point in the video, there's a graphic in front of her that says, vaccines don't cause autism. They don't. They just well, clearly don't. But that's why. And so uh, if you are an anti-vaxxer and you're listening, mm-hmm. um, I respect your opinion. I think you're dead wrong. And I mean dead, D-E-A-D, wrong. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that you need, if you're an anti-vaxxer, to open your mind and not get into this conspiracy craziness. And, and if you know some anti-vaxxers who are violent and want to kill people like me who promote uh, vaccines, right. call the cops. Yeah. Because there's no reason for a doctor to be murdered over promoting a vaccine. Here's the other side of it. And anybody who owns a business or cares about the reputation will understand this side of it. Yes, there are people who are threatening her life, but you know there are kooks and yeah. uh, six billion people in the world. You're going to get five or six real nuts who are going to say something like that. They started giving her poor reviews. And well, from one who has had that happen. I mean, if you look at mine on Google reviews, I had all fives. Yeah. And then when my ex partners found out I had all fives, he put like a hundred ones. Oh my gosh. Now, luckily, they took most of them off. And if you if you look at for uh, um, heart health on Apple Podcasts, yeah. we yeah. were all five, yeah. all five. And, and then, then my partner found out, ex partner found oh out. He put gosh. a couple ones in there. But guess what they did? What? This is really neat. We got down to four point six. Yeah. And so we'd really be four point nine something. They gave us a five. So oh, it says good. five on there now. Oh, we got a five. Yeah. Oh, that's good. And so you know, what is with this world of anti vaxxers is it because people who would tend to believe in this conspiracy stuff are part of this underworld violence? I don't know. I think there is a guilt section to it. If a parent has taken, understand, millions of kids get shots. If you take your sh- child in for a shot and two weeks later they have something happen to them, not only do you blame the shot, even though random random events mean that sometimes this is going to happen. Those two events are going to happen together. There is a guilt. I took my child in. They had a shot. And then something happened. But what I want to ask the people with autism or autistic children. In fact, you can ask a person with autism because there's a wide spectrum. um, It's called highly functioning Mm -hmm. autism. Whether it was related to the shot or not. Because guess what? And There's some anti-vaxxers who wouldn't vaccinate their children, and their children got autism. Okay. And so what you need to... I think some of the anti-vaxxers who are associated with autism, call these people up. They're online. Yeah. They are anti-vaxxers who never vaccinated their children, and their children got autism. So it's called post-hoc propter hoc. It's like, you know, um, I saw a red car... Yeah. And I met my wife right afterwards. So does that mean red car caused you to meet your wife? I mean, come on. And all the data, if you if you believe in anything, believe in science, mm-hmm. because all the data, and I mean real science, not the, the fake science that we talk about, the data show there's no association. And I'm sorry if your kid got autism. It's, it's a tough thing to live with. But your child is as precious as any other. Right. But it's not your fault. Right. And it's not your fault you gave him a genetic predisposition, which may be part of it. It's not your fault you took him to the pediatrician and got a vaccine. These things happen. Right. And it's just like if your kid got leukemia, it's not your fault. Um, Everybody thinks that the only acceptable outcome in life anymore is is, uh, uh, healthy immortality. And it's not going to happen, I'm afraid to say. 
Right. It's just not going to happen. Diarrhea medicine. Oh, God. And the opioid epidemic. Oh, God. Can I, do I now have to show my ID uh, to get ca- some emodium? It's, it's going to be that way. Um, do you remember Sudafed? Sure. Great stuff. Yeah. Unless you had high blood pressure. If you got the sniffles, and it was just a common coronavirus, not the deadly coronavirus called, yeah. you take some Sudafed. And what that did was a very specific thing. It, it created a constriction of the blood vessels in your nose. And when the blood vessels are constricted, you can't produce mucus. Yes. It'll clear you up. Okay. So everybody could take it unless you had a certain type of palpitation or if you had high blood pressure. Well, guess what happened? The yeah. guys who were meth cookers, and believe me, I live in Johnson County. You drive down the road, you see two or three houses exploded. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's cooking meth. meth. Cooking. Okay. Yeah, you got to heat it up. You got to use flammable chemical. But they made it out of Sudafed. Sure. So you, they, they took Sudafed. They buy 5,000 cartons of Sudafed. And everybody go, oh, are you going to cook some tonight? You know, and so now yeah. they put it behind the counter. Right. And you've got to show your driver's license. I haven't bought Sudafed in years. Yeah. I used to take a lot of it. Yeah. Now, they make something called phenylephrine. It doesn't work. And you can't make meth out of it. Well, remember I talked about tramadol? Tramadol is a great pain medication. Not everybody can take it. Some people get a little nausea, some a little dizzy. But it's like six chemical steps away from an opioid. And okay. all it does is reduce your pain conception. But if you take 240 of them at one time, yeah. you'll get high. You'll get a little high. A yeah. little high. Okay. So now they've made it a controlled substance, and you have to write a uh, prescription. And if you write too many of them, the Drug Enforcement Agency comes to your practice and puts you up against the wall and handcuffs you and takes you away. Yeah. Now, I had no idea that Imodium, Imodium AD, and I don't know how many you have to take. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, 24 capsules. Yeah. 24 okay. capsules at one time. Now, wait a minute. It has an actual, not side effect, but an actual effect. What's the effect on my body if I take 25 Imodium? Okay, let me tell you this way. You won't need to buy any toilet paper for about six months. Wow. It's bad. Yeah. But okay. let me just say this, okay? Yes. Why should the rest of society suffer? Right. Because there are addicts in the world. Let me tell you. When I was a kid, there was something called personal responsibility. You had a free will, you had decisions that you made, and you were held accountable. Well, now there are drug addicts roaming the countryside in Johnson County making meth. And and, other places. Yes. Yes. And snorting pills. Yes. They're victims of doctors like me. In this day and age, that's how we see it. The drug addicts are good people. They, everybody's a good person. Yes. I love, we, we, have, we should love everybody. Everybody is. But not everybody's a victim. Not everybody is, is being abused by these rich men who drive around in nice cars and make money and went to medical school. Okay. Okay. There are legitimate purposes for opioids. I have about 126 patients who, if they couldn't live without it, and all, you know, what's that Doc Adam something or other Doc Drew? I don't Dr. Know. Drew was Dr. on Drew. Fox News. 
yeah. saying that there's no indication for opioids for chronic pain. What I would love to do, if there was some machine, I could attach it to my patient's back yeah, and then attach it to Dr. Drew's back and transfer the pain. Yeah. You know what Drew would say? Doc, where's my Percocet? Yeah. You know? And so here we have now, we can't even get Imodium anymore. We can't. If we have a simple case of diarrhea, there are so many victims of this company yeah. that makes Imodium AD that they have to take it away. Drives me crazy. Well, unfortunately, my Google searches during today's program will flag me as some sort of wild drug addict. That's right. Uh, DEA is using artificial intelligence. Anybody who, who just, Googles Imodium now will get a visit from an FBI agent. I'm, I went to Walmart.com to tell you the truth. I'm going to order some before it runs out. All right. 919-860-9783 is our telephone number. Call. Talk to Dr. Franklin Weefold on the Heart Health Radio Network. You know you make me wanna kick my heels up and throw my hands up and throw my This part of the program, the shout-out segment, somebody who's impressed us in one way or another, Dr. Weefold, who do we have on the shout-out list? Well, it, it's, I don't know if it's appropriate to use the music that we have. You know what that music reminds me of? Gospel. Oh, yeah. You know, and so this is a gospel shout out. Um, we talked about Charles Norris last week and how he needed all of our uh, support. He had just been told that his cancer, which had been treated twice, had come back and that there really wasn't anything more that they could do. Yeah. Went home with hospice. I had talked to him and his wife and they were at peace. And the nice thing is that they got about 10, 11 phone calls, some from people that were complete strangers who heard about him on our show. Yes. And gave them, you know, a, a shout out and a and a pick me up, and told them how much they were on their th- they were on their thoughts, and he passed very oh. peacefully uh, a couple days later. And he's with God, and and as his wife said, he's walking with Jesus, and he's happy. She's, you know, coping. But the love that we show for our friends and and people that we don't know makes a big difference. And I, I just want to say, you know, pay it forward. Um, if you see somebody in, in need, give them your time. Give them your emotion. And let everybody know out there that you care about people, even if you don't know them. Wow. It's a wonderful thing. Terrific. Who is the Mighty Hudson? Well, I think it's a great story, um, mainly because, I, you know, I was a molecular biologist uh, in my previous incarnation. I did genetic DNA research, which is, you know, people may think, why is he talking about DNA so much? Well, I, I think it's a very interesting thing. And when all of this cloning business and DNA research got started 35 years ago, and I was there in the beginning, you know, and, and saw the potential, and they, they kept saying, one day, we're going to cure incurable diseases with this DNA technology. And we've done it. No, I haven't done it. But we as a nation, as a group of people who have decided to invest billions of dollars into these technologies, we've got a big victory ahead. Mm-hmm. And the guy's name was Hudson. And yeah. he's actually in Canada. And he, they call him the Mighty Hudson now. Wow. because. He had something called severe combined immunodeficiency, 
And there is one gene that's bad. And I won't go into the biology of it all, but there's one gene. Without it, you can't produce an immune reaction to a bacteria or a virus. So, for example, before Hudson was mighty, if he got the coronavirus, he'd be gone in about six hours. Oh, my. So the bubble boy, you remember that? Yes. So the bubble boy, what John Travolta played him in a movie. Yes. And then, you know, he had to live in a bubble, a completely sterile environment because he had severe combined immunodeficiency. He couldn't produce these immune cells. Well, they said, let's do, let's, this, this is what we want to do. We want to find a way to take a normal gene for this enzyme that prevents him from having an immune reaction Mm -hmm. and put it in his immune cell and cure it. And they tried all sorts of different things. They tried viruses to invade the cells. They tried all these different ways to get the DNA in the system. And they finally found a way to do it. So what they did was they took his own bone marrow out, which was lacking. The cells in there were lacking that enzyme. Yes. And they found a vector, a V-E-C-T-O-R, which is a mechanism to get that bit of DNA into his own immune cells. Yes. They grew him up in a vat, you know, they, they in a culture vat. In a jar. Or maybe on a Petri dish. Sure. And then they put him back inside of him. And his immune system's normal now. He's, normal. He's on Facebook. It's incredible. If you Google Mighty Hudson, you will see the most adorable kid from Alberta, Canada. Of course... He did come to the U.S. to have this done, and, you know, it's just a, a miraculous story. You can see him. It's a gorgeous kid, and he looks like he's 100% boy. Uh, you know, heaven help those parents because he's going to be just tearing their place apart. But, and and the just great, a little kid. Yeah, the great thing for this story is not just the Mighty Hudson. It's for all kids with SCIDS, SCIDS, Severe Combined Immunodeficiency Syndrome, but it's all of us. Mm-hmm. In this beautiful planet that we have supported this kind of research through our tax dollars, and we have decided that every life is precious. And so yeah. there aren't that many people with severe combined immunodeficiency, but in starting at these types of illnesses, which have one gene defect, and we're going to try and correct one gene defect, yeah. think about 30 years from now. They find out that you have maybe six genes, Dave, that cause you to have cholesterol buildup. Yes. They'll find a way to correct those genes before you wind up getting sick. And these techniques, I think, are the future of medicine. And we talk about prevention, you know, running a marathon. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat bananas and I'm going to eat tomatoes and yeah. stay away from anybody who smokes and I'm going to run and do all this crazy stuff because that's what I eat superfoods. Yeah. And then the Queen of England, you know, <laughs> eats foie gras and yeah, she crumpets. Does. Sure. And she's 94. Yeah. So it's genes. It's our genetic predisposition. And genes are so complicated. But the mighty Hudson shows this little baby and we're looking at him on the internet. Yeah, he's, he's just cute. a cute kid. Yep. It shows that we're going to do this, and it's it's going to take a long time. I mean, mm-hmm. when I was doing genetic research, it was like, yeah, 10 years from now, we're going to cure all diseases. Uh-huh. A lot harder than we thought. Yeah, well. But persistence does pay off. And so tackling the one mutation illnesses first, 
right? We're going to get to the other ones. And I'm very excited. I'm very excited for us as a country, but also us as a people. We have less than a minute. Less than a minute. Not enough time to bring up another topic, I think. No, but I, um, I, I can say one thing. Yeah. I want to emphasize, if you have sleep apnea, get it treated, please, and, yeah. and take it seriously. I, I had a woman, I won't mention her name, because I, I don't have permission to talk about her in particular, but let's just say severe, untreatable, and I mean could mm-hmm. not tolerate a mask. Mm-hmm. And she tried, she tried, tried, tried multiple masks. I recommended the only treatment that was available, and that was a tracheostomy. And it would have worked. Yeah. It would have worked. Yeah. All right. We are all out of time. You can listen to this radio program on Apple Podcasts or at WPTF.com. The proceeding was meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action on what was just discussed, consult your medical doctor.